0: song, boy, that's pretty, wasn't it, amen, and he is sort of, how many of you believe he's worthy tonight, amen, I pray you do, I'm not going to spend any time up here, just get right to it, most of you know, Pastor Paul, (laughs) and uh, El Senor, Pastor Paul, as we call him, and uh, on our trips to Nicaragua, you you probably already know, but if you don't, this is my preacher, this is my pastor, and uh, I'm so thankful for the years he invested in me, and so how I turned out, it's his fault y'all remember that, but uh, uh, but I'm glad to have my friend and my pastor, Brother Paul, come preach to our hearts. Come on. Love you, brother. Oh, right, I'll try not to fall off this big stage. <laughs> Are y'all glad to be in church tonight? Amen. That song was beautiful, and I have heard that one before. Yeah, but that that it's a beautiful song. It's deep, isn't it? You can talk back to me. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a deep song. We're going to be in First Thessalonians tonight. First Thessalonians chapter number five. While you're turning there, um, I just just want to let you know. First of all, thank you so much for allowing the allowing me this opportunity, and and I appreciate it. And uh, Mike, don't put all that on me, man. Um, if you're messed up, it's your own fault. All right. <laughs> anyway. I love the banners you guys have around your church. Uh, they weren't there, I don't think, the last time I was here. But I, I made sure today, I, I read and I looked at them, and you know what? They are absolutely true. There's truth on your walls here. And I, I really appreciate that, because so many times I go into churches, it's just bland on the walls, and, and there's no reminders of our mission. There's no reminders of who we are. We are, hey... This building's not the house of prayer. You are. Amen, y'all? And what a reminder, because my house shall be called a house of prayer. That's what the Lord said. We are we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, are we not? Y'all are saved tonight, aren't you? Alright, if you're saved tonight, this is going to be real easy. If you're lost, this might be a difficult one for you, alright? But if you're saved tonight, we are the house of God. We ought to be a house of prayer and, and, and to, to just to look at these banners, let them remind you, you've got a mission. There's a lost world out there that desperately needs Jesus. And, and you all know all that stuff. Anyway, well, I was just filling in while you turned there. First Thessalonians chapter number 5. As I was praying about what message to bring, I've got, you know, you, there's so many things that you can choose to preach when, when, you're, when you're a visiting pastor because you haven't preached the same thing to everybody And as I was praying about this, the Lord led me directly to this Scripture. And I believe this is exactly what God would have for us in this place tonight. Not just for us in this place tonight, but for us to take it outside of this place tonight. I believe we're living in days where too much of the church is inside the building and not impacting the world. Would you agree with me tonight? If you don't agree, it's okay. I still love you. But the evidence is all around us. We are in a changing culture, a changing society. We're in a changing world, and it's not for the good, my friend. We are in the last days, and we are headed towards the day in which we're going to hear that trumpet sound. The Lord's going to shout, We're out of here. The Holy Spirit of God which seals us is going to be drawn off, and you're sealed by the Spirit of God. When He's drawn, you're going with Him. And I'm so thankful for for that. But in this chapter, as I read this, I want you to pay close attention to the first part of the chapter and then how it relates to actually the scripture that I'm going to use for the message tonight. Because in this chapter, chapter 5, the first part, the Apostle Paul to the church here in Thessalonica is given a warning. He's given some information about the last days and some of the things that are going to come to play in the last day. I firmly believe this with all of my heart and all of my soul, that we are living in the last part of the last days. I firmly believe it. There is a convergence of evidence that we are living in these last days. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But the verse that I am going to preach from tonight is one of those verses that God used to punch me right between the eyes. You ever have one of those? And you'll see what that is and why that is in just a moment. But as we get there, stop tonight before as and as I read and while I'm reading, stop tonight and ask the Lord to please show you what you need out of this message. You see, this message isn't for somebody else, it's for you. It's for you. I wouldn't be here tonight, amen? It's for you. And so ask God, what is it that I need to do? How can I change? Ask God to mold you, shape you, change you in these last days that we live in. So that we can be a holy generation, a holy people. So that we can be pure and righteous. And so that we can be readily available and ready to be used by God. May He work in us and through us. May He fill us and pour us out. Amen? May we be what we need to be in this last generation. Read with me if you will. We'll begin reading in verse number one, 1, Thessalonians chapter number 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren. Notice who he's writing to here. He's writing to those that are saved. He's writing to the brethren. I am thankful for revival meetings, but tonight this is not an evangelistic campaign. This is a revival meeting. It is for the church. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye... That little word ye means all y'all. Everybody that's saved. All the brethren. Ye brethren are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Notice that verse. Don't be afraid you're going to miss it. You're not going to miss it. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God. And when that trumpet sounds, you're going to hear it. When the Lord shouts, you're going to know it. And when the Holy Spirit's drawn off, you're going to go with Him. Don't be afraid of that. Don't let anybody tell you that Jesus has already come and gone away. No, my friend. It's going to happen in the future, and when it happens, we're all going to know it. We're not going to be deceived. Notice this if you will. You are children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. Praise God. Praise God. Look up here, y'all, for a minute before I finish reading. God has not appointed us to wrath. We are living in a generation that is absolutely anti-rapture of the church. And we are seeing the the doctrine of the translation of the saints. By the way, that's what it was called for almost 2,000 years before it was called the doctrine of the, the rapture. It was called the doctrine of the translation of the saints. And you and I need to understand that that doctrine is being attacked by people today. And I am longing for the day that we will not face the wrath of Almighty God. And the wrath is going to be poured out upon this world. And what a horrendous and hellish time it will be upon this earth. But you and I need not fear. We won't be here. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation, rescue, by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even also as you do. Did you notice all the language in those first 11 verses that deal with the last days? That deal with the fact that one of these days we are going to be called away. Notice the language there in those 11 verses that talk about God did not appoint us to wrath. He's giving us promises. He's giving us hope. He's giving us something to live for. Church, it's time we stop suffering and talking about suffering and we start living. My friend, I want you to know there will be suffering in your life if you live godly. The Bible says all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's supposed to be understood. But we're not living to be suffering. We're living to be delivered. Amen. But those first 11 verses deal with the fact that there is coming that day of rescue. Now, in that, we are to comfort ourselves because we're not appointed to wrath. In that, we are to edify one another. That word edify means to build up. It comes from a Greek word where we get the word for Legos. It means to stack upon and build upon and make solid. We are to edify one another. And the only way we can edify one another tonight is when we get ourselves in the unity of the Word of God and we are in unity with the Scripture that says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. In unity that says that we are not appointed under wrath. In unity that says that we can build each other up, edify one another, comfort one another by talking about, by preaching about, by talking to others people about the fact that we're living in the last days and we're longing for Jesus to come and we're listening for that trumpet sound. But notice this, if you will. With all of that being said, there's a responsibility that we have. Drop down to verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Let me stop right there. If we just take those few verses in the middle that I just read, verse number 16 down to verse number 20, notice it says this, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesying, You and I need to stop and understand tonight that we are living in these last days, but God has given us a responsibility. And God has called us to accountability. And God has given us a plan and a direction for us to be ready and to be living ready in the day in which Jesus Christ comes. Let's pray. Father God, we come to You tonight and we want to thank You and praise You for the opportunity that You've given to us to be able to be here. We thank You, Lord, for revival services. Thank You, Father for churches who still have revival services. And Almighty God, I know that no preacher can bring a revival. And I know that no song or singers can bring a revival. But Almighty God, You can. Lord, we are not worthy of it. We are not uh, able to really even comprehend what it even is, Lord, many times. But I pray, God, You'd show us Yourself. I pray, God, You'd manifest Your presence your power, I pray Almighty God you'd have your will and your way in every heart and every soul in this room today. Most of all, God, I pray that the name of Jesus would be magnified, glorified, and high lifted up above all names. And Almighty God, I pray, Father, for the lost souls and if there's one soul that's in this place that's lost, I pray, God, tonight you'd show them their need of salvation. I pray, God, you would save that sinner nearest hell. But Almighty God, for Your saints tonight, I pray that they would take this practical message, these these scriptural truths, and just put them into their heart. And I pray, God, as we live in these last days, we would not be deceived, we would not be led astray, but that we would stand firm and stand strong. God, please, have Your will and have Your way in every heart here today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, we're living in the last days, and I believe that, and I believe I see the convergence of many things. Y'all do realize that there are some super signs in the Bible that are given to show us that we're living in the last of the last days. Obviously, the, the number one, the big sign is that Israel becomes a nation. You all know that. I'm probably preaching to the choir tonight. Israel becoming a nation is the super sign that shows that we're living in the last of the last days. Now, I understand that Israel became a political nation in 1948, and I'm glad of that. That's a tremendous thing. But Israel was never started as a political nation. And for Israel to be a nation is not just politics. There's religion involved. And for Israel to be a nation like it always was in the Old Testament, there has to be both the political system as well as the sacrificial system. My friend, I want you to know that we're living in the days in which we are going to see, I believe we're going to see it soon and very soon, the, the reinstitution of the temple system in Israel. When you see that, my friend, I want you to know that is of biblical proportions. Even Israel just becoming a nation is of biblical proportions. Not only that, we see the great falling away of the church. We are in the midst of that. We are living in those days. And the great falling away is not that there are not more churches. There are more churches in America than there ever have been. There are more people in church on Sunday than ever have been. But our nation is weaker than it ever has been. As a matter of fact, worldwide, where you find the church growing is in very persecuted places. The church in Iran tonight, it's growing like wildfire. They're killing them, slaughtering them wholesale, and yet the church grows. And then you go to China. They are persecuting the church in China, yet the church is growing like wildfire. The reason we see this is because where the church was, where the church was powerful, and where the church was popular, it's starting to die. We are seeing that we have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. We have a form of godliness in our country, in our western culture, but we deny the power of God. Might I remind you tonight that God is still God, and God is still powerful, and God is still mighty. Our God can still change the world. Our God can still heal the sick. Our God can still do great and mighty things abundantly above all that we ask or think. Our God is not limited by our imagination, and our God is not limited by our feeble-minded and our just simple-mindedness. Our God is much greater than we are. We can't even comprehend how great our God is. So We have a form of godliness. So the super signs that we see, number one, Israel becoming a nation. Number two, the great falling away. We have more churches, more people going to church, but they are falling away from the doctrines of the truth of God. They are falling away from the simple fundamental truths of our Bible. They no longer have a unified scripture. They no longer, and by the way, not having a unified Scripture is of epic proportions. Because you and I need to understand tonight, it doesn't matter what your version or somebody else's version says, it matters what God has ordained, written, stamped His approval on from the beginning. Amen, church? And you and I need to stop and understand that. You and I need to realize that the great falling away tonight is a falling away of holiness. A falling away from holiness. Our people in America are no longer living holy. As a matter of fact, I don't know how it is here, but it's it's in our church in Waynesboro, probably here. Uh, we we watch the same movies the lost people watch. We have the same habits that lost people have. We have a, the same divorce rate in church that the lost people As a matter of fact, the church now actually has a little higher divorce rate than the lost world, but that's only because we still get married and don't just shack up and live together. Amen? That's still a sin, you understand. And so we're seeing a great falling away. We're seeing a falling away from the foundational truths that our forefathers set. We are seeing a falling away from uh, in politics. Our nation is so divided, is it not? But it's not just our nation. If you were to go to Europe tonight, you're going to find out that in Europe, you have the same problems. People are divided. Everybody's angry. Everybody is, is so in an uproar, and they're violent. They're angry. They have no self-control. Isn't that part of what the Bible says would happen in the last days? It certainly is. In the last days, men should be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They're going to be incontinent and fierce, right? Truce breakers. All those things we read about over in the book of Timothy. But you and I need to understand we are seeing it in our generation like never before. We see wars and rumors of wars. We see famine and pestilence. We are seeing natural disasters on a scale that never has been. There always has been famine. There always has been pestilence. There always have been wars. There always have been earthquakes. There always have been natural disasters. But they have never been on the scale that they are now. And they have never been coming in such waves, wave after wave after wave, The Bible says the world is going to be as it's giving birth pangs. And these things are going to increase. Jesus said when you see these things, understand that the end is near. Now we are living in those days. Do you believe that or do you not? Are you with me tonight, church? We are living in those days. It is a convergence of things. And everything that we are seeing is being denied and doubted by the liberal crowd, by that by that left-leaning crowd. And they are saying it's not biblical, it's global warming. I'm not even going to touch that one. The Bible says there will always be season and season and season. There's no such thing as global warming. Global drying maybe, but not global warming. You do realize that in our lifetime, I'm looking around at this crowd, most of you are older. In our lifetime, we have seen the population of the world double. In 1968, the population of the world was was half of what it is tonight. So there are twice as many people in our lifetime. And if we live another 50 to 60, 70 years, it's going to double again and it's going to keep doubling and keep doubling and until the the world is at a, such a turmoil and such a chaos by the way if you understand world politics and you understand what's taking place in the world of politics you understand that things are starting to set the stage that are exactly lining up with Ezekiel chapter 38 Ezekiel chapter 38 gives the the battle of Gog and Magog this is the first battle of Gog and Magog it ends very differently than of Gog and Magog that's in the book of Revelation. And those nations are going to come around Israel. Do you realize that right now, tonight, China is working on a belt and highway initiative. And that belt and highway initiative makes a complete circle from northern Africa all the way up. Then it goes to a shipping channel. And then the highway and the interstate and then their train system. They have a train system that runs hundreds of miles an hour. And they are making this loop. Listen to me very carefully. Why is that important? Because the Bible tells us that there's coming a day in which the armies of the north are going to come down and they are going to attack Israel. And the only way they can get there right now is across massive empty space. But what's taking place by China is they are building the railways, they are building the shipping lanes, and they are building the highways right now that will bring their military directly in the matter of hours to the very border of Israel. And you and I are living in these days and we are not to be discouraged by these things, we're to be excited by these things. I can tell you this, I'm discouraged when I look around church. I get discouraged when I see people who who used to be excited about God and now they're not excited about God anymore. I get discouraged when there were people who used to want to get together on Friday nights or Saturday nights and pray together that don't show up anymore. I get discouraged when I see people who used to have their families in church, but now they have moved from a Bible-believing church to a XYZ church because of the programs and the atmosphere. I get discouraged by that. But in that discouragement, I must encourage myself because we are living in those last days and God said all these things are going to come to pass. So as you look around tonight, I guarantee you there are some older saints in this building that remember the days when you had revivals in this town and this place was full. I guarantee you, you remember the days on Sunday mornings when the preaching was done, there were people that were weeping and crying, and begging God. How about now? There's an apathy in our country. There's an apathy in our churches. We are living defeated lives, Christian. We are living defeatism because it doesn't measure up to what we think it ought to be. And we look at the past and it doesn't measure up to the past. Are you with me? We need to stop looking behind us and we need to start looking at the right now and realize that God made us, He put us in this world right now for such a time as this. And for such a time as this, He has given us some direction so that you and I can be encouraged, so that we encourage one another. I know this wasn't very encouraging in the last couple of minutes. This world stinks. It's getting worse. The churches are stinking. And they're getting worse. How's that encourage you? <laughs> I'm gonna show you. Watch this, if you will. The Bible tells us some things here. Look, if you will, at chapter 5. Let me hit a few things. But of the times and seasons, brethren, I don't need to tell you. You see it, don't you? You know, there was a problem back when Jesus dealt with the Pharisees. He said to the Pharisees, you can look at the sun and you can tell red in the morning, sailor take warning. Red at night, sailor's the light, right? He said, you can look at the sun and tell what, whether it's going to rain or not, but you can't discern the season. Well, guess what? We're living in days where Christian people cannot discern the season they're in. If we truly discerned the season we were in, we would put that list from verse number, number 16 down a little ways. We would put that into practice in our life like never before. We would actually stop and go, Oh, dear God, thank You that I'm living in this day because the darker the night, the brighter the light. Let your light shine, Christian. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Don't be defeated. We are more than conquerors. Our God is still mighty. Our God is still strong. Our God is still on the throne. Do you believe this? I remember the days. I've only been preaching about 30 or so years. But I remember the days when I first started preaching. And I would would preach. and, And the churches weren't as full as they used to be, but they were, you know, half full. And I remember those days and I would preach and the little old ladies would raise their handkerchiefs and woo, woo. Remember those days? Bless God, we're too dignified to do that now. I remember preaching, and no joke, I remember preaching, in the middle of preaching, somebody would run to the altar and they'd get on their face, they'd be down there weeping and crying, bawling up a fit. Because the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of them. I remember preaching the the meetings and the revivals, and and I remember going to those places when when the the Spirit of God was so thick, it was like you could feel it, you could taste it, you could see it, you could sense it. It's not here anymore. It's not here anymore. Remember what Jesus said in the book of Revelation? He said, I will remove my lampstand from you. Right? Right? You and I need to understand that's exactly what is taking place in Western culture. We have accepted homosexuality. I don't accept it. You probably don't accept it. But our country has. We don't accept that. I don't care how many laws they make. I ain't marrying them. You can throw me in jail. I ain't marrying them. I'm not going to do it. Amen. We're not doing that. Nevertheless... That's the culture we live. Now look, you don't need that I tell you all the seasons or all the signs. of You sense it. You feel it. And especially if you've been saved a while, you know it. It ain't like it used to be. But guess what? In a few years, it ain't going to be like it is right now. So you need to suck it up, buttercup, and enjoy what you got. Because it ain't going to be long. Some of these young people that are sitting here tonight, they're not going to be anywhere to be found. When you older saints are dead and gone, there ain't going to be nobody to take your place. Why are y'all so quiet? Woo! God's still good, ain't He? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I have young men all the time. Pastor Paul, I feel like the Lord's calling me to the ministry. Praise God. You better get you a vocation first. Because I guarantee you, Mike and I, we're probably about the last generation that's going to be full-time pastors. Look around, and you know I'm telling you the truth. Am I right, church? Y'all okay? Now watch this. He went on to say this, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. Ain't nobody looking for a thief to come in the night. Are you looking for a thief? If you were looking for a thief to come in the middle of the night, you wouldn't get any sleep, would you? You'd be scared to death. You'd be tossing and turning. You'd be uploading every shotgun, every pistol, and every rifle you got if you thought a thief was actually going to come. We don't think a thief is actually going to come. So therefore, we go to bed. We might put some precautions. We lock the door. We have our elimination device beside the bed. Amen? If you don't, you ought to get six or seven or eight or ten of them. But nevertheless, we don't go to bed thinking... I'm going to lock the door because there's going to be a thief tonight. The last thing on our mind when we go to bed at night is that somebody's going to break into our house. But God help you if you are at home, asleep, and you hear that crash in the middle of the night. Immediate panic, immediate fear will come into your heart. This is exactly what the Bible's telling us. Understand, there's coming a season. There's coming a season. We're in the season when people are no longer looking for Jesus to come. We talk about it. We talk about it. We talk about it. But we don't live it. Do you realize that Jesus said, the Bible tells us of the time which Jesus comes, that there will be many that are ashamed at His coming? You see, in that season when Jesus does come, in the season of the last days, there's going to be such an apathy, and such an apathy of the brethren, that we're not going to be looking for Jesus to come. He is going to be like a thief in the night. We're not going to be ready for Him. We're not going to be living for Him. We're not going to be prepared. If we truly believed that Jesus was coming, we would be prepared for His coming. To be prepared, we would have our self in order. We'd have our house in order. We'd have our heart in order. Would we not? Just like if you knew a thief was coming tonight, You'd be sitting there already with the shotgun. I'd meet him at the door. Shoot him and drag him in. You don't go to jail that way. (laughs) Hello? You know what? We ought to be so excited as we see this stuff. Yes, it hurts me to see some of the things spiritually that I see. It breaks my heart. I preach my heart out every Sunday. I break myself into oblivion trying to preach the Word of God. I get so wrapped up in it because it's real to me. And I pour my soul. And I pour my heart out. And I do it at Shenandoah Heights. And I do it every place I go. And I pour my heart out. And I don't see the little ladies with the handkerchief anymore. I don't see people coming to the altar weeping and broken because they're sinning against God. I don't see people in the middle of church running to the altar. I've got to get saved. Oh God, I'm lost. He's going to come as a thief in the night, brethren. He's going to come as a thief. Oh, the trumpet's going to sound. The voice of the archangel, the Lord Himself, is going to shout, and we're out of here, praise God! But I hazard to guess most people in this room really are not looking for Him to come. You see, one of the other super signs that we're living in the last of the last days, is this. There'll be many that say in the last days, well, we've heard from the fathers of His coming. He ain't never come yet. I hear that all the time. Pastor Paul, why do you get so excited? Why do you preach so hard? Why do you call people to repentance? Why do you preach salvation? Why do you pour everything? Why do you do it? Why? Why? Because Jesus is going to come, and when Jesus comes, if they've heard the Gospel and rejected, they're doomed. They're doomed! They're doomed. Now watch this. Yourselves know perfectly well that that day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them. Now that's a twofold message. Obviously, we understand that when Jesus comes, when He comes the second time, when we return with Him in the clouds of the air, when we come back, we're riding them horses back. I can't ride a horse now. I'm too fat. I bounce and it hurts you. Amen? (laughs) That's for younger, skinnier people. Amen. But when we come back, we're riding them horses back with Jesus. How many of y'all believe that? It's what the Bible says. He's coming back with tens of thousands of His saints. I know I may not talk like it, act like it, and behave myself like it, but I am a saint of God because of the blood of Jesus. How about you? I'm coming back with Him. And when He comes back, out of His mouth is going to go a sharp two-edged sword, and He's going to slaughter His enemies. But that's not who He's talking to here, is it? He said, brethren. He's talking to brethren. Brethren. You see, in the last days, the brethren are not going to be ready for Jesus to come back. They're going to talk about it, but they're not going to be really ready. Why? Because they're going to say, peace and safety. In the last days, men shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They will not be able to endure sound doctrine. Do you realize that when he's talking to these people, that goes hand in hand? In the last days, there are, right now, you turn on the largest church in America is Joel Osteen. What is he teaching? Peace, security, safety, it's all good. God's not going to let anything bad happen to you. Well, I, last time I checked, I've got all kinds of bad stuff going on. Last time I checked, a lot of you got bad stuff going on. This ain't my best life. I hope this ain't the best one. (laughs) I want to go somewhere where it's better than this. How about you? Are you all with me tonight? So you and I need to understand what He's saying to the brethren. There's coming a day in the last days, everything's going to be about peace, everything's going to be about safety. Peace and love and joy and harmony. If you listen to Joel Osteen, if you listen to Andy Stanley who's the pastor of the third largest Baptist church, and they ain't even really Baptist. They don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. That ain't Baptist. Come on. But you listen to those preachers, and you will think that my soul, we're about to enter into the millennial reign. That we're about to just, because we're so wonderful and good, that Jesus is going to come and give us all a reward. Here's $20 for praying. Here's $20 for praying. Here's $20 for witnessing. Jesus don't work that way. Y'all, y'all hear me? The Bible tells us that in the last days, it's going to be a falling away and a calamity. Now watch. You still with me? I don't know what time I'm supposed to be done. Look at verse number 4. But ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye brethren. Which Brethren. The brethren that he's preaching to, the brethren in Thessalonica, the brethren who were living every day longing for Jesus to come back. They're not going to be found in darkness. You're the children of light. They walked in light. Walking in the light is a metaphor for walking in holiness and righteousness and purity. To walk in the light is to walk in the light of Christ. To walk in the light of Christ is to be illuminated by the truths of God's Word and walk in it. To dwell in it. To be saturated in it. Are we truly walking and dwelling and being saturated by the things of God? Are we truly doing that? Do you realize that our forefathers, the reason they were so close to God is they did not have the distractions that we have in our generation. They did not have cell phones. Most of them didn't have phones to begin with. There was no such thing as phones. There was no such thing as electricity. They labored to live, and when they had some time, they thanked God for allowing them to be alive. Not even half of them could read a lick of the Bible, but they would find somebody who could read the Bible, and they would listen to it. Faith cometh by hearing, not by reading. And they had faith like you and I don't know anything about. And I guarantee you, our forefathers, just a generation or so ago, they would have run a Joel Olstein or an Andy Stanley out of town on a rail. They'd have tarred and feathered the heretics and got them out of town. And we send them money. Listen to their sermons. I want to know why our little churches aren't big like that. Our little churches are never going to be big like that. Because the gospel is offensive. You see, if you don't repent and get saved, you're going to hell. I can't sugarcoat that, can you? You're going to go to hell, and hell's going to be turned into a lake of fire, and you're going to burn and sizzle and pop. You're going to suffer for an eternity. I cannot sugarcoat that. I cannot sugarcoat that the God of the Bible and the God of the Quran are not the same God. I can't sugarcoat that. You've got to come to Jesus. Jesus is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. There's only one way. We cannot sugarcoat that. And in the last days, because they want teachers and not preachers, they are going to call to themselves men that will give them the sugarcoated stuff. I have had people in our church leave our church for some of the dumbest reasons I've ever seen. I had family leave our church, and when they left, I said, You know, and by the way, people volunteer to come to church, they volunteer to leave. You, you understand that. They came to the church, they got saved in our church, they plugged into our church, but then they left our church. Do you know the reason? You're just too biblical. I thought that's why you went to church. I thought that's what the pastor's job was to do, to to break down the Word of God. What do you want? Hello. We have people leave over the dumbest stuff like that. How about you? How about y'all? You can talk to me. It's okay. I'm sure you do too, don't you? Yeah. You see, some of you might be on the verge of something like that now. I see new faces, I see old faces, and I see some empty spots where there used to be faces. This ain't my first time here. I guarantee you there are some people that left. And there will be people that leave in the future, right? What you've got to do is realize it's part of the process. And it's a part of our last days. If somebody goes to another church that's preaching harder and and more doctrinally where, where they want to be, praise God. I'm glad they're in church. But when they go to XYZ church because their kids can go to youth group and learn how to suck pudding through pantyhose and eat disgusting food out of a toilet bowl, come on, y'all. Bob for apples out of the commode. That's the dumbest thing. That's gross. That that has nothing to do with Jesus, y'all. But that's the kind of stuff that takes place. Are y'all still with me? Good, because I have never got to my message yet. Now look at this, we don't sleep in the dark. Or we sleep when we're supposed to sleep. But we are not, those that sleep, sleep in the darkness. Those that are drunken are drunk in the darkness. We're we're of the light. We're not of the darkness. We don't do things, we don't hide things. We're a church, are we not? You know what the greatest thing about church ought to be? Is that we have the freedom to admit that we fail. We have the freedom to confess our faults one to another. That ought to be one of the greatest things about church. Keep going. He said in verse number 11, we're supposed to comfort one another. Now drop down, verse number 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, and I'm almost done. We exhort you, brethren. Notice this, please. Exhortation. Exhortation. We're encouraging you. We're lifting you up. Warn them that are unruly. You start warning people that are unruly and they'll leave. Won't they? You start warning them they're unruly. I had a a couple that started coming to our church. I'm sure this never happened to you. I had a couple start coming to our church. They were living together. Uh, It's my policy. I don't marry you if you're living together. If you're living together in sin, now if you dwell in the same building but you're not sleeping together, that's a different story, is it not? But if you're living together, you're shacked up and you're... You're committing uh, sexual acts with one another. That's called fornication. You're under the judgment of God. You need to show me that's not what your relationship's based on. You need to separate and show me you can live apart from that and I'll be glad to marry. That's my, my policy. By the way, that's old time policy. I know it's not that way in a lot of places. But that's my policy. So that was my policy. And I told him, I said, hey, you guys, look, I'll be glad to marry, you, but you gotta, you gotta separate for a little while. So the next thing I know, they left the church, they're on Facebook, Pastor Paul's evil, Pastor Paul's mean, it's a cult. Come on. Next thing I know, she starts inviting people, the younger people from our church to her parties. And at her parties, she starts giving them alcohol. We had a lady who used to be an alcoholic, went to her party, she gave them alcohol. I gave this young lady alcohol. She gave her so much alcohol, she died of alcohol poisoning. I said something to her. I said, you've got no right to do that. You have no right to give alcohol to a child of God. You have no right to do this because you're angry with me because I wouldn't marry you. You don't take it out on the church people. You've got no right! Warn them that are unruly. So instead of repenting and getting right... She goes to Facebook and Twitter, slams our church. We lost a bunch of people because of it. Because the people would much rather not be biblical. Come on, y'all. If that's not a sign of the last days, you tell me what is. Now, you ready to be encouraged a little bit? You're not? Okay. Let me encourage you a little bit. Look at this if you will. Verse number 16. If we're supposed to exhort one another, we're supposed to warn them that are unruly. If we're supposed to comfort the feeble-minded, I don't know how many of y'all are feeble-minded. You'll have to figure that out. Support the weak and patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil. Now look at this. If you want to live that way, if you want to live in such a fashion that you're ready when Jesus comes, look what it says. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice. I'm not going to rejoice because we're living in bad times, but I'm going to rejoice because God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We may not be the same. The church may not be the same. But God is always the same. And I'm going to rejoice in that. I've got victory in my God and my Savior. I've got victory in His promises. I've got victory in His blood. I have victory in His Word. And I'm going to rejoice. The community may think I'm some sort of an evil ogre because I wouldn't marry somebody that was shacked up. The community may think I'm some evil ogre because instead of going to someone in love, whatever that means... I reprimanded them for giving alcohol to one of my church members and they ended up dying from alcohol poisoning. I'm a preacher. I'm the man of God, called by God to preach the Word of God and to stand for truth and righteousness. I have not only the right, but the responsibility to do that. Amen. But God helped the preacher in this generation. Nevertheless, I'm going to rejoice because my victory comes from that One which is eternal. Not that which is temporal. Notice the next one. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. You want to know something? When people treat you wrong, when people do you wrong, when people talk about you wrong, when people run down your church, when people just hate your guts because I hate your guts, you can just go to the Lord and tell Him all about it. You can pray about it and tell him all about it. When you're angry, you can go to God and say, God, I'm mad. I'm angry. God, I don't understand. God, I'm frustrated. God, I'm hurting. God, I just wish you would soon come and deliver me. There's not a thing wrong with that. Oh dear God, I'm praying for sweet death. You ever been there as a Christian? Let's be honest tonight. Have you ever been there? Oh dear God, It'd I'd rather be dead than dealing with this. You do realize that death for us is a joyful thing. Precious in the sight of God is the death of His saints. I never will forget, I was at the doctor's office and the doctor was telling me all kinds of stuff is wrong with me. I think I look pretty good. I got this wrong and that wrong and this wrong and that wrong and... If you don't take care of it, you might die soon. Woo! God looked at me. His eyeballs were big as saucer plates. I said, thank you, Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm ready to go. This world holds nothing for us. It holds nothing but heartache, sorrow, sadness, disappointment, anger, and frustration. It holds absolutely nothing for us but disappointment. Disappointment after disappointment. Failure after failure. One day, we're going to get to go to be with Jesus where we're never going to sin again and we're never going to disappoint Him again and we're never going to be disappointed by anybody else again. We're not going to do stupid things and stupid things are not going to affect us. Praise God! Rejoice and pray about it! Now notice the next one. This really was the message, so I've got to hit it fast. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. Now, did you notice what he said? In everything, give thanks. You know, in the Bible, there's lots of illustrations of this. Probably Joseph is the greatest one. He was in the pit, but he still praised God. He was in prison, but he still praised God. He was in Potiphar's house, but he still praised God. He was in trouble, and he still praised God. Come on, y'all! Think about Jesus. Everywhere he went, he never did anything wrong, but people wanted to kill him. In this world, he still was obedient to God. In this world, he still was faithful to his Father. In this world, he still Praised and rejoiced in this world, he still prayed. Did he not? Notice this in everything, not because of everything. Man, I am not rejoicing because of the situation the world is in today. I am not rejoicing because we have the uh, the high teenage pregnancies and the uh, all of that. I'm not rejoicing because of that. But in it, even though it happens to church people, even though it happens in our family, and it happens in your family, I can still be thankful to God. I can still rejoice. And in everything, I can still give thanks to my God because my God is greater than all of that. In the time of the falling away, in the time of false doctrine, I don't know about you, Pastor Mike, but when I hear of a neighbor pastor who falls off the deep end and goes into some heretical teaching, I literally want to punch him in the face. It's not my job to do that. I'm the preacher, not Muhammad Ali, right? But I literally that I want to get, I get angry over that. But you know what? I can't change that. But even in the midst of that, I can still give thanks to God. I don't give thanks because of what they're doing. I give thanks that there are some people who still want the truth. I give thanks because there still is a Bible to be preached, and as long as God's Word goes out, it will never go out void. No matter how many people run off to the cults, no matter how many people quit church, no matter how many people go to the Feel Good, Dr. Feel Good church down the street. God will always have a remnant, and there will always be somebody that wants some old-fashioned, old-time, Bible-preaching, Bible-believing, and Bible-understanding. We ain't done. We ain't done. You can stick a fork in us, we're back near close. But we still got some juice in there, come on. We ain't all burned up, y'all right? In everything. Notice He said everything. Everything. Now you and I need to stop and understand in the last days all the warnings that are given. All the super signs that we see in everything. And if you understand why He put that in that order, you will understand it is in that order for a reason because He's trying to tell us that there's coming a day when you're going to feel like you can rejoice. There's going to come a day when you don't feel like your prayers are going to work. There's going to come a day when you're going to be in such circumstance that you're not going to believe God's able. But in it, in everything give thanks. In everything. In everything. You don't give thanks because you got a flat tire. You praise God, you still got three that's got air in it. Really, what you ought to do is thank God somebody else is going to come and change your tire for you. Right? You ought to just thank God you got a vehicle to start with. Thank God you got money to put gas in that thing to run down the road and get a flat on the side. And it's not sitting somewhere else. There's so many things to be thankful for. If we would stop and rejoice, if we would stop and pray, if we would stop and give thanks, we have a whole lot more to rejoice in than we do to cry in. Am I right? Not only that, I'm almost done, trust me. He says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you in everything. You'd have went back and you'd have asked Joseph when he was in the pit, when he was in Potiphar's house, when he was in prison. you say, Joseph, how in the world is this going to work out for your good? He wouldn't have had any idea. And whatever it is that you're in tonight, you don't have any idea how God is going to work it out for good. But I can guarantee you that it will work out for good, if not in this world, in the one to come. You think about the people that suffer the most. When they leave this world and they're present with Jesus, they got a whole lot more to be rejoicing and thankful about than you and I. I can't imagine old Fanny Crosby, the first face she sees is Jesus. Come on, y'all. So much more we got to be thankful for. Now, I wrote this down, and I want you to see this. We have the same God that Paul had. We serve the same God the Thessalonians had. And by the way, as he wrote this to the Thessalonians... Just a few short years, persecution's coming to them. They're going to be slaughtered wholesale. Now listen to me. And I'm closing with this, we're going to have an invitation. We still serve the same God. Notice right after he said that in everything we're supposed to give thanks because it's the will of God, he said, quench not the spirit. Do you realize that if we start putting our eyes on the problems of politics... If we start putting our eyes on the problems of church, if we start putting our eyes on the problems of people, and we start looking at the fact that our young people are leaving and never coming back to church, if we start looking at all the issues concerning the last days, you're going to be so discouraged, you're not going to be able to do anything. We are not supposed to be looking for the signs. The signs just pop up. If you were riding down the road today and you were looking for all the signs, you'd soon run into a ditch. Or you'd hit somebody else and hurt them. The signs are there for warnings. The signs are there for information. For you and I, all the signs that we see all around us, they're just information. They're good news to you and I. They're signs saying, keep looking up, keep looking up, keep looking up. Your redemption's drawing nigh. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Keep praying for that lost one. Maybe they're not saved yet, but keep praying. Keep praying for that wayward child. Keep praying for that wayward church member. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Keep praying, keep praying. You ain't dead, you ain't done. Suck it up and drive on. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep rejoicing. Keep rejoicing. You're not gonna feel like it. It's gonna be hard some days, but there's some things you can rejoice in. Find the little things, and soon God will show you big things. Just keep rejoicing. There's signs, there's signs. Keep going, keep going. The end of the road is almost ahead. The end of the road is there. It's right around the turn. And there's Jesus. But he said, quench not the Spirit. You and I need to realize that when we get discouraged by all the negativity in our world and we don't look at the good things that God has shown us, you're going to get rebellious, frustrated, angry, and you're going to reject. You'll reject the good things of God. You'll reject the blessings of God. You're going to reject things instead of receiving the blessings of God. My God still says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. It's God. It's God that gives us the rest. It's God that gives us the peace. It's God that gives us the joy. Not this world. Not this world. Not this world. We serve the same God that Paul did. The same God that delivers also allows sorrow and pain. Y'all with me? I'm closing with this. Listen very carefully. The three Hebrew boys, oh, we shout the victory. Wasn't just three of them in that furnace. Lo, there was a fourth man in that fire, like the Son of God. Oh, we'll shout about that one, won't we? But why don't we go ahead and remember that Paul went and was beheaded? And God's just as good when they took that sword and chopped his head off. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? Oh, how we rejoice in that. We act like we're going to get that victory one day. Like when everything is going wrong around us, man, we're going to pray, and man, we're going to be like Daniel in the lion's den, and the lion's going to shut his mouth. How about Peter being crucified upside down? How about Stephen being stoned? God's still good. God's still good. He raised up old Lazarus, didn't he? he? Raised up Lazarus. But how many others did He walk by the graves? Hello? He's still just as good. He helped others. He healed others. He made others whole. Why won't He fix me? You don't have to in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Should you pray about it? Absolutely. Should you find something to rejoice in it? Absolutely. Y'all listening? We all have those stories, don't we? You know what? God's just as good if He raises you up cleanses you of cancer, as if he is, if he lets you die in it. Just as good. We want to give God the praise and glory when something turns out we think it's miraculous or good. Why don't we go ahead and praise God for that little old saint that died a suffering death of cancer? But is now in the presence of Jesus. God's just as good. Rejoice. Rejoice. Pray. Pray. And in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And don't quench the Spirit of God. And you will be ready because when Jesus comes, He's coming to rescue us to deliver us from this evil present world hallelujah and amen some of y'all are looking sad and some of you are looking glad I told you this is God's message it's my prayer now as we have this invitation that God would do something in it for you let's all stand tonight I thank you for allowing me to go a little longer I promise you tomorrow I won't go as long I promise you. But you needed this tonight. I needed this tonight. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me ask you a question. How many of you tonight are truly living victorious Christian lives? I mean, you just know that you are living a victorious Christian life. If that's you, slip your hand up. Amen. Amen. There are a few. How many of you can say, Pastor Paul, I really heard something in the message tonight that showed me I have some shortcomings absolutely we all do don't we how many tonight say Pastor Paul would you pray for me would you pray for me because I am starting to slip and slide I'm getting discouraged if that's you tonight would you raise your hand I see hands we, are all, we all face that. This altar is for you tonight. If you're discouraged and downcast, come and start to rejoice a little bit. Give God some praise for some little things. And keep telling Him the little things, and before long, He'll give you the big things. How many of you would say tonight, Pastor Paul, pray for me. I just want to live a better, stronger Christian existence. All hands everywhere. Listen, the altar's open for you tonight to come and give yourself afresh and anew to the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll fill you with His presence. He'll fill you with His power. He'll fill you with His Spirit. And He will use you in ways you can't even imagine. So as the music begins tonight, if you need to come to the altar, meet me at the altar, I will pray for you if you will pray for me. If you need to come,